Thank you for checking out our podcast here at Eastern Assembly of God Church in Baltimore, Maryland. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at www.easternassembly.org. Well, turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis 1, if you have them, or your tech device, or you can just listen. I'm going to dump a lot of scripture your way today. Um, As this message formed up for today, uh, I just kept more and more scripture kept coming. So, um, uh, simple title, it's just right out of scripture today, Uh, basically what is created in the image of God. And this is a <laughs> this is a bigger project than what I can give you today, but uh, it's actually a life project because it's in the New Testament. It's about understanding what it means to be in Christ and what it means for Christ to be in you. I have a friend in ministry that God literally had her sit with Colossians two for an entire year and go through what it means to be in Christ, and then at the end of that year, the next year. He made her sit with it again, uh, uh, well, ask her to, and, and, then, and then she sat with it from the perspective of what does it mean for me to be in him? It's not just what, what, what it means for Christ to be in us, uh, we're also in him. And so this is a big topic. So we're going to hit mountain peaks today, and I hope that encourages you. Um, as we go to the scripture today, I just want to read Genesis 1. And it says, and God said, let us make man, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Now, I, I want you in, 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 just so I can encompass the ladies with all the craziness we got going on in the world today and all these terms, uh, uh, man here is gender neutral, okay? It's not just Adam here. All right, man and mankind in the old English referred to men and women. And how many of you know in the New Testament it says that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female in Christ. Now that doesn't mean we don't have genders, it just means that in the kingdom of God there's an equality. Come on, are you here? There's differences. But there's equality, and that's not the same, and I'm not going down all those roads. I just, for the sake of everybody, um, and God said, let us make, form, shape, and fashion man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle, basically over everything. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image, And in the image of God created he him, male and female, he created them. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? Is it just the physical body and the dirt, the hue? In the Hebrew, that word there is nephesh. It means a living soul. That God took a bunch of dirt, created a shell, breathed his life into that, into that dirt. And literally, the Hebrew word there is nephesh, a living soul. And then God, as we know, took a chamber out of Adam and created Eve, a woman, a man with a womb. Or as a guy I used to hear one time went, whoa, man, yeah, I'll, call, I'll do that, woman, 
Come on. And how many of you know God pulled out all the stops because she was the last of his creation? Come on. All you, thank you. All women should have said amen, and all the men should have been shouting. Rough crowd, rough crowd. So God created them in his image. Well, we know that it's not about the shell. Because if it was about the shell, we'd all look the same, and wouldn't that be boring? Come on, think about it. It is that which is inside of us. It's that soul part of us that's connected to the spirit part of us that creates the unique expressions of God. And while we are unique expressions of him, there are similarities that should be there that connect us all together because... As Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, what was he saying? He was saying that there is a likeness, there is an image of who I am that is reflecting the Father. So the word image means a visual representation of something, or it can mean a mental picture. How many of you know we have images that come into our minds? Now, I've been around long enough with what I do to know that some people don't visualize as much as they think conceptually. So whether you have thoughts conceptually that you would say are your image, or you have a video clip or a picture, it all defines itself as an image. It is a representation of something in your mind. If I said, think pink elephants... Some of you would have thoughts of pink elephants because that's how you process. Others would have images of pink elephants. If there's some kind of a connection emotionally, you would feel pink elephants. All of us process a little differently, but those are all images that generate in your mind. Does that make sense? So in the natural sense of things, God created a visual representation of himself in Adam and in Eve. And he called them man, and they walked with him in the cool of the day. We don't know how long they walked with him until they had the fallout. Maybe it was thousands of years. Maybe it was a couple of years. We simply don't know. It doesn't say, right? But they had to be walking with him on a regular basis. How many of you have a spouse? You walk with them on a regular basis, right? My children, until they leave my home, they'll walk with me on a regular basis. So there is this that God created Adam and Eve in the image and the likeness, the representation of him. They, he even gave them a job. He said, go out from the garden into this world that's chaotic and full of chaos, subdue it and put it down, bring it into order, be fruitful and multiply. He had a plan for a family. Come on, are you here? God can't be a father to a group, to to no one. Yeah, he was in relationship with himself, the father, the pre-incarnate son at the time, and the spirit, but he couldn't extend himself to anyone else because there wasn't anyone else. So God's heart and mind was to create this family that we call the human race. And regardless of how it looks right now, he had a plan for us. Come on, are you here? Yeah. 
And so the first thing I want to say about that is, is that to be created in the image of God is to be captivated by who he is. To be created in the image of God is to be captivated, meaning attracted to, uh, held by, uh, a full focus of attention. I mean, think about that first love experience you had. Or any love experience that you had, if you can't remember that. There was a captivation. There was a holding of your attention in this image that sat in front of you. Come on, are you here? Nothing else mattered. It changed your breathing. Some of us would say it, it, it even changed like sweat. Palms got sweaty. Come on, are you here? To be created in the image of God, God walked with them in the cool of day because they were captivated by the one that created them. Come on, are you here? There was a captivate course. They were the only ones there at the time, and they're the only ones that looked like him. Everything else on the earth was different. And then we have this problem. Life was good. And much like you have kids, and there are problems at times, we had this problem. For those of you that don't know the problem, very simply, God gave a mandate that they could do with, come up with as many recipes as they wanted, have all kinds of food, and basically do whatever they wanted with the garden except this one tree. You can't take that fruit off of that tree. You can't put it in your recipes. That tree is left alone. And just like... I'm sure your children, they tested the boundaries. Now, hopefully, your children's testing of the boundaries didn't get them kicked out of home. But they tested the boundary, and they had to leave home. But before they did, all of a sudden, they realized some things about them. They realized that they were naked. And in that nakedness, they were ashamed. Now, I want you to catch some things. The reason why, and I'm going to come back to some of these things. I'm kind of laying a foundation. The reason why they got in this state is they listened to somebody about themselves that wasn't God. Anytime you get in trouble with yourself, it's because you're listening to somebody other than God about yourself. Every addiction starts with a belief. You can take away the physical addiction, and if you don't work out the beliefs, the addiction can come back. Come on, are you here? Everything begins and ends with belief. So the biggest way that we were created in the image and likeness of God back in the day was to believe everything that he was and is about ourselves as we're reflecting it. And you know they got a word, not in season, 
about who they were. Did God really say? Well, yes, he did. No. God knows that if you do this, you'll be like him. They forgot that they already were. They were created in their essence to be like him. So this twist got them thinking in a way that they weren't like him, that somehow he was withholding something or he wouldn't have asked them not to eat of this tree. It's always that way in all of our lives. How is it that way in all of our lives? Well, if you haven't noticed, you don't get God as a parent when you're first born. You get people already in a process either learning to live in the image and likeness of God or not. So your parents are either on a journey to live like they were supposed to live and have relationship in a way that they were supposed to have like the original mom and dad in the garden or they're not. So what you need to understand is, and we're heading down a road here. I'm worth waiting on, okay? There was an original set of parents that we call Adam. And in that twist of thinking, they set into motion all of humanity, a process of of tarnished image, of tarnished likeness, of tarnished identity. When our minds and our focuses and our thought processes line up with his mind, his thought processes, and his focuses, we have the ability to change. And some of these thought processes are so ingrained in us at an early age that it requires a supernatural process of change that we can't do on our own. Come on, how many of you have tried to change something all by yourself? How'd that work out for you on the long haul? Maybe a couple things here or there, but the deeply ingrained places in our lives, they require a supernatural download beyond who we are in the present. And initially, for those of you that are sitting here, it's called salvation. The Bible says that we need to come to a rebirth. Some say born again. Some say an awakening. It's where we are dead in our spirit to him. And upon receiving God and asking Jesus to come into our lives, take away our sins, wash away all those things from our lives, and take us from death. Because in the garden, death came. When Jesus came on the earth and died, he took captivity captive. All those that had died in him in the Old Testament and cleaned it out. There is a powerful process. He took the keys of death and hell. And so when we don't have Jesus, we're still dead to the understanding of who he is because it's not a mind thing, it's a spirit thing initially. Come on, are you here? 
And for some of you today, you may have not ever had the opportunity of new life, of becoming aware or saved or born again, where your sins are washed away like we sang here today, and new life comes into you, and now there are changes going on, and and you're like, my language has changed. My language was never able to change. My thought processes on, on people have changed. It was never that way before. That's the work of God in us, working us out of us. Come on, are you here? So Adam and Eve get in the garden. They listen to a thought that twists their thinking, and then what did they do? They went and hid. They made clothes, but the point I want to make today in this process is they went and hid. Where did they hide? Among the trees. Did God tell them they're a tree? No. God created them in his image and likeness. So when the twist of your thinking comes, and you go, oh, I'm not like God, I'm like this, or if you believe you're not worthy when he says you're worthy, come on, are you here? when you believe you're not lovable, when he says you're lovable, then what do you do? You go find trees that think and talk and act like you. You go hide. Some of us say birds of a feather flock together. That would be turkeys. (laughs) Eagles don't flock together. They fly solo. Come on, are you here? I'm not saying anybody should fly solo as it relates to Jesus, but the point I'm making is is what you deem yourself to look like in your emotional and soulish mirror, those are the people you go find. Come on. I'm going to go a step further because this is the society that we're living in and Pastor Jared can sort it out. Prejudice is taught. There's a story, there's a little song that has gone, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world, but if you look at our world today, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, put them together and watch them fight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Prejudice is not a genetic birth thing. At the foot of the cross, everyone flows crimson red. And that red blood covers all of our thought processes, all of our hues. We are equal at the cross. And God's kingdom so doesn't look like this world, and yet he wants us to be so filled with who he is and his kingdom because that's what's going to make the change. The day that Jesus died, Luke writes that the head of the Jews and the head of the Romans in that area, when he died, they became friends that day. Because Jesus' kingdom of love and not taking 
mine and all these different things that go along with that, it threatened the Jews and it threatened the Romans because it's an ideology and a mindset that the world didn't have. And I dare say, in a lot of ways, the world still doesn't have. I mean, think about it. Jesus' way up was down. Jesus' way of moving forward in the kingdom wasn't about what I get. It's about what I can give. And oh, by the way, if Jesus walked the earth today, he'd be Middle Eastern. Put that in your ideology pipe and smoke it. We create Jesus in our image. How do I know that? Because most white folk have a picture of Jesus that's been passed around for about 80 years. And it's an image of Jesus like this with light coming on him. And he's got a nice brown beard and he looks American and European. And then I had the opportunity to go and be on staff at an all-black church for a year in Indianapolis. It was 800 black folk and me as the only vanilla. I was the only Oreo center in that place. And, and, and as I built relationship with them, I, I would get invited out to people's houses to eat. And guess what? They had the same black Jesus on all of their walls. House after house, I'd walk in. There he'd be, black Jesus, looking up like this, all heavenly with light coming on his face. An African-American man, or an African man. What am I saying? I'm saying... We take the image of God and we dictate according to our centrality of who we are, who God is. And we don't even realize we do it. We hide among the trees according to our mindsets. How many of you know, based on that, we all probably have some mindsets that need to change? Come on, are you here? And I don't know about you, but I've had to shut the media off because it affects my ability sometimes to really connect with God. I get like absorbed in it, and all of a sudden I'm upset about things I don't even have any control over. I'm like, well, that knucklehead, that beat, beat, beat. No, I'm just kidding. I know you're all more spiritual than me, but so you pray for me. And I'm going, wait a minute, I've, I, I haven't met these politicians. I have no control right now over what they're doing. And I'm getting all wound up and bothered. And the scriptures say I'm supposed to pray for them. So how many of don't raise your hand. How many of you prayed for Trump? How many of you are praying for Biden right now? How many of you are praying for all those people that are in opposition to Jesus' kingdom says you pray for them? Just a thought. So they went in their ideology of themselves and they hid among the trees and they hung out in the trees away from God. No, by the word, by the way, the Hebrew word there for tree literally means to shut. So when we have ideologies and thought processes about ourselves that don't line up with the truth of who God is in us and who we are in him, we actually shut his presence out in that area of our lives. It's dangerous. 
Colossians 1 says, Colossians 1.14 says, In whom Jesus we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of, of, of sins. Watch this now. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creation. Message Bible says, We look at this son and see the God who we cannot see. Colossians 2.9 says, For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Passion Translation says, For he is the complete fullness of the deity living in human form. This fullness means to be filled up like a big freight hauling ship gets filled up with stuff. What does that mean? It means that when you see Jesus, you've seen it all. Before Jesus, we didn't see it all. After Jesus, the body of Christ is supposed to look like him. You know, Gandhi said, I have no problem with Jesus. It's his followers that trip me up. May that not be said of us. The fullness of who God is dwelt richly and fully in Jesus. So to be captivated by who he is, is to begin to walk in the image of who God created us to be. Secondly, we are controlled by his presence. People in America don't like that word. As a matter of fact, honestly, it's not a word to be liked if you were abused and manipulated as a child or you were held against your will. Come on. And yet, the Bible says... In Galatians 5.23, the last fruit of the Spirit is self-control. 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 I'm so glad that it doesn't say the fruit of Nathan is self-control. There's hope. Because there's just simply areas I don't have a lot of control in. Come on, are you here? You think you're spiritual? Let your wife and your kids give an evaluation of you. We'll, we'll, we'll walk you out of the building, and I'm going to ask your wife or your husband and your kids some questions. Come on, because only they see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Come on, are you here? And, and we're all work in process, so I'm not condemning anybody. We start here, we move forward. Come on, are you here? But there is an ability beyond my ability if I walk in the image and the nature and the likeness of God. There is an ability beyond my ability. So don't ask God to help you be self-controlled. Ask him by his spirit who's already inside of you to manifest his control in your life. Does that make sense? I have people that say, you know, I'm praying for patience. Stop it. It's just going to get worse because if you develop the ability to have patience on your own when you don't, you won't need God. Recognize this is some people like, you know, Pastor Ed, he's got lots of patience. I served under him as a youth pastor. he's He's a great model. I have no patience. 
Any patience I have, I've asked God to manifest his patience in my life. But I have to be true to who I am and not hide in the trees. I have to be able to say to my wife and, and to God, look, I, I'm, I, this isn't me, but the image of who you are is patience. Come on, are you here? Jesus said that he only did what he saw the Father do. How do you see the Father doing things? The Father is not manifest on the earth. He hung out with the Father long enough in relationship to get the assignment. Some of us are like, I don't know what I need to do. You need to hang out with Jesus. Long enough to get the assignment, which means you don't hang out just for the assignment. You hang out with him and learn to have relationship with him. Listen, he is as real to me as you sitting here. We hang out. He's a great chiropractor. He makes all the painful adjustments. Come on. Listen, Hebrews says that those he loves, he's chastens, those that are his sons. If you aren't being chastened and, and nothing's going on to correct things in your life by the Spirit... You need to kind of go, what is going on? Because a father corrects the things that he sees in his children because he does love them. My son, my son and my daughters will give testimony to that. And it's painful in the moment. But if I don't get it now, it could produce long-lasting detriment in their lives later. And the problem for some of you is this. You had fathers that really didn't care. And so they established a mindset, an image in your mind of God that he really doesn't care. Oh, he says he loves me. But then anything he tries to correct in you because you never had a loving father correct things and make you feel safe and protected, it feels like a God that's condemning and damning and wants to shoot fire out his nose and consume you. See, there's all kinds of crazy images that we've got to work through as it relates to God. So many on the hard drive. And while I'm not here to beat anybody's parents up, they created the image of God in your lives. Why? Because they were your initial authority. They were supposed to connect their hearts to your heart and bond in a way that was healthy and loving and life-giving and accepting and affirming and safe just because you were theirs, not because of anything you did. And so while some of us had parents that went the whole other opposite way with that, another way of image shredding was just to have a parent that even wasn't there. It's the absence of what should have been, not just the negative of what happened. Come on, are you here? So it's a lifetime process of sitting, some say marinating, some say soaking, some say devotionals. It's, it's a lifetime process of day in, day out, sitting and allowing the presence of God to manifest richly in you in an atmosphere where there's change can happen. That's why that worship is so powerful, because we all get together, we release the glory of God, an atmosphere is created, and we can hear in ways we weren't hearing, we can feel in ways we 
weren't feeling. In an instant of time, God can say something to your heart and redirect the way you thought and you'll walk out never the same again. Acts 17.29 says this, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. Listen to this again. For as much as we are his offspring. Listen, Jesus was the firstborn of many brethren. He came and redid everything that Adam undid. There was, the first, there was the original Adam and there's the last Adam. There were only two men ever in the Bible in that sense of things. And we are born with the idea that we are in the last Adam because of the way things look and the way we express. But I'm here to tell you today that when Jesus, by his spirit, makes an interface with your spirit and awakens you from the death and, and, and the destruction that you are in, life begins. We are his worksmanship created for good works in Christ Jesus that God prepared before you ever got here for you to walk in. Son, come here. There is no denying that this young man is my son. Smile. No denying. Listen, even if he got twisted with me and went to reject me, and he said, I don't want you, I don't even want to carry your name, it doesn't matter. He can't change his DNA. Cannot change his DNA. Listen, when Jesus came and hung on the cross and died and rose from the grave, he genetically changed humanity. He regenerated. He regenerated humanity. So when he comes into your life, when you accept who he is in your life, when you ask him to come in and be the Lord of your life and awaken you to who God is in your life, a supernatural regeneration goes on. He begins to regenerate you and there is nothing then you can do about it. You have the molecular spiritual DNA of God pulsating through your spirit man. Then it's about your soul coming into conformity with that. So that you can walk different, so that you can say different, so that you can breathe different. Hopefully those people that used to bother you don't bother you anymore. And if they do, there's a grace. Come on, are you here? So we're captivated, we're controlled in a healthy way because it's about self-control. And then we're commissioned if we're walking in his identity, we're commissioned to be like him in the earth. Now, there's a lot that can be preached on that, but here's the direction I want to head with that. Matthew 5 says this. So let me just set it up this way. In this world that we're in, 
I never thought I'd live in, a, I'm not going to get political or anything, but I, I'm just going to say this. I never thought I would live in an America where we couldn't get together and discuss how we view things. And if we saw them different, then one was hate speech and the other one wasn't. I'm not talking about extreme things here. I'm just talking about having a difference of theology and ideology where all of a sudden certain things are right and other things are not right. That's a dangerous world to live in. And that is not the kingdom of God. How do I know that? Because watch this. Again, we are commissioned to be like him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it right down to this level. Matthew 5, if you can live this out, then you can live with anybody. Here it is, Matthew 5. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Oh boy, that sounds like a current. Doesn't that sound current? I mean, I live in Dallas. I'm telling you, that sounds like a current thing. If you, if, if you look like me, talk like me, act like me, we love each other. If you don't, we hate you and that's okay. Now watch this. This is what Jesus said. Commissioned to be like him in his image. He says, you have heard it said this way, but I say to you, love your enemies. Well, that would be a new headline, wouldn't it? As a matter of fact, let me break that down for you, Jesus says, of what it means to love your enemies. I'm so glad you asked. That's a good question. Bless those who curse you. You're a no good. God bless you. Oh, that's not it. He goes on. Do good to those who hate you. Oh, you blew up my car? Here's $100. Thank you very much. Do good is an action. Oh, you're going to key my car? Oh, well, let me drive you to work. Come on. It's tough. Part of the reason it's tough is because we have literally over the last several decades been taught through media and influenced that way a complete different gospel, not in churches, than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if somebody wants your shirt, give them your coat too. Jesus said, if somebody needs you to carry something a mile, go too. Jesus' way up is down. His way in is out. He is, his kingdom is completely... Oh, I'm sorry. He didn't stop there. What was I thinking? Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. Watch this. Why? Listen, I said at the beginning, right? We talked about genealogy, the image of God. God created Adam and Eve, his son and daughter originally, mankind, to look like him. Jesus comes along, and now he's the firstborn of the Father, spiritually, to many brethren and many sisters, right? So Jesus brought the representation of the Father to humanity, 
When you've, Philip said, show us the Father, Jesus kind of scratched his head, pulled his hair out and went, Philip, have I been with you so long that you would ask me that? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's very clear here. Now watch this. He says, do all these things when somebody sets themselves up as an enemy to you. Why? That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. You want to know practically what being the image of God looks like to humanity? It's these things, love, bless, do good, pray. When you do these things, you will be showing them that you are sons of a divine father because no one does that to their enemy in the natural. Come on, are you here? And oh, by the way, just to remind you as I wrap up, this is love, patience. Yeah, I'm out. This is love, kindness. This is love, doesn't envy. At all. This is love, does not boast itself. Look at me, look at me, see me. I'm the center of the universe. Isn't it interesting that it says all of creation reflects God in the scriptures? Isn't it interesting that the S-U-N is the sun and all the planets revolve around it? Wouldn't it be good to get a concept that the S-O-N is the sun and that all of humanity should revolve around it rather than saying that America is the center of the world and all the rest of the world needs to fall in sync with America or the China or the Soviet Union? How how about we start to look at the groanings of creation where God put his fingerprint on everything and said, if you'll just look at the natural, I'm trying to speak to you. It's the sun that everyone should revolve around. Not me, not you, not America, him. And the way he, the way his life is, is to love. He said, a new commandment I give you. Well, if it's a new commandment that there was something going on in this new kingdom that wasn't happening in the law with the Israelites, or he wouldn't have said a, re a recomputing of the old, he wouldn't have said, uh, uh, he said a new commandment, I give you love, not as this world knows, but as I'm showing you. And his showing was a complete laying down of his life for this world. Come on, are you here? Love does not delight in evil. When's the last time you saw something bad happen to somebody that you didn't particularly care for and didn't delight in that? Oh, good, they finally got theirs. <laughs> not love. Come on. I'm preaching to myself more than I'm preaching to you, just so you know. Love, here's what love does. It always protects. You know what that means to me? People need to quit getting their phones out and videoing atrocities, especially if they're believers and they put their daggum phone down, and they actually get in the middle of somebody beating someone else up and protect that person. Love always protects. 
I am sickened by these videos of older people getting pummeled by younger people and there's 500 videos out there and not one person is walking out to be Jesus and step in the gap and protect the unprotected. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails and you can't have this If you don't have the source of love living inside of you. Listen, he made himself of no reputation. So why do you think you need to keep yours? How are we treating everyone? How are we treating everyone? If we could take this as our placard for how to live life, then it wouldn't matter who we we engage, who we come in contact with. It wouldn't matter who hurt us, who cut us, because we have the plan. And listen, I've had people be evil to me. I have had people who say they're Christians set themselves up as evil enemies to me. You don't know all of my background here, but I am the guy that, that, that helps people forgive people. I've got whole seminars on it, walk you through it, so you get to the other side. And I have had occasions where such evil has happened to me that I said to God, I cannot forgive. And I know I need to. I mean, I know it all. I, 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 I cut the t-shirt. And God said, I know, you can't forgive this one right now, but you can do what I commanded you to do. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, they have set themselves as, as an enemy. And in that, I have not asked you to forgive them, but I have asked you to obey me. And the moment that I started praying and blessing and finding a way to do good, I literally felt the shift in my heart. And three days later, I was able to forgive. So God meets us right where we are, folks. Listen, we want to be like this. Acts, and I close with this statement, Acts 17.6. We want to be like this. We want people to say when we come into the town, these are those that turned the world upside down and they've come here too. We want to walk into a convenience store and not be, oh, I know who that is. We want them to go, oh man, what's going to happen here? Because the last convenience store they were in, they prayed for somebody. They bought this person's food. They this, they that. They are turning this world upside down because they look like him. Come on, are you here? Let's bow our heads.